Hello and welcome to Clare FM Sideline View. Derek Lynch with you for this extended podcast version of the show. Coming up over the next hour and a bit with us, we look ahead to Clare's National Hurling League campaign and assess where the footballers stand ahead of their trip to Mullingar. There's an in-depth preview of Clare's chances in the 2024 National Coursing Meeting. Jim Madden looks ahead to another busy weekend of local soccer and indeed we talk about Clare's second round in the National Camogie League Division 2A. Hurling, though, is our first port of call where Sunday sees Clare up their National League campaign by hosting Cork and Cusick Park. They'll also take on Waterford, Kilkenny, Wexford and Offaly as well as Cork over the next seven weeks or thereabouts with finding cover in key positions being a real target for management. Ahead of that, I've been speaking with Clare boss Brian Lohan to see how things are ahead of the Rebel visit. We're preparing now since uh, the end of November and um, obviously we had the Munster League there and a couple of matches in that Um but a lot of the focus has been on preparing ourselves for the, the, the first round of the league. And uh, that's uh, coming up next Sunday now, yeah. In, in a lot of ways, and it might sound strange to be glad that you were out of a competition, but I suppose given how that finished, or rather didn't finish, it, it probably took a lot of uncertainty out of the last couple of weeks f- for your guys. I suppose consistently we, we've always used the Munster League as um, um, for experimentation and and. Uh, getting getting guys some some game game time against a uh, good opposition, um, and that's what it was again this year. Um, so um, look, it is what it is. Um, but uh, serious business um, starts this weekend. Yeah, that's it. And, and that home venue very important. Like we saw, it, it worked out for the footballers eventually anyway at the weekend. So you'll be hoping for a similar home bounce, no doubt. Yeah, well, look, a great win for the footballers there last weekend. Um, great bit of spirit shown, like, and um, you know, um, anytime you're 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 winning the game by a by a point is always a good sign for the panel. Um, so, um, yeah, sure. Look, we'll be hoping to 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 try and get a win as well. Try and get our our, our season off to a, a good start. So we'll just see how that goes. What kind of way are you looking at the league this year? Is is it something that you'd go and target? Is it something that you'd take game by game or go more on a performance basis? Um, I, I suppose you're, you know, in in intercounty hurling or intercounty football, you you always want to be winning games, um, and we we focus generally uh, on the next game that is coming, and we try to do our best to. To perform as well as we can and try to to, to win all those games and um, that'll be a similar approach this year. Like that, we'll we'll be we'll be trying to win games, but at the same time, you know, the, we have to we have to strengthen our panel and we have to look at guys, and um, that's you know. So the focus is very definitely on winning the games, but at the same time, we do want to uh, get um, to get to look at guys and see at what level they're at and are they able to uh, make that next step uh, up to um, up the championship. Is there a case of maybe looking at it and saying that the games against the Leinster opposition might be something that you can maybe go a little bit, bit more all out for that since the change to the round robin, you know, that maybe the, the inter-provincial opponents are kind of looking at one another going, I don't know, I'll, I'll kind of hold that now till we meet again closer summer. Well, I suppose, you know, lately with the... Um, with the advancement in in um, in performance analysis and video analysis and and all the uh, background work that is done by all of the teams now in in preparation and analysis, um, whether you're playing against 
um, local opposition, as in within the province or outside, it doesn't really make a huge amount of difference um, uh, because you are going to be analysed and anything that you're doing well will be picked up on and anything you're doing badly will be picked up on. And, you know, that's that's how we work. And, um, you know, they, they, all counties are are similar in, in, in how they approach approach uh, the analysis. Um, so you don't really, you don't really have a free shot. Like ever, everything you 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 do is 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 seen and is analysed. So um, um, yeah, no, that's just the way it is now. How are your new backroom team bidding in? Pretty good, pretty good. Um, you know, they they, um, it's been a bit of a change. Um, to uh, to see those guys at, at work, you know. Um, um, having said that, uh, most of the lads would have known, say, even Brendan in some capacity, um, from from a coaching perspective. And then uh, Tommy is in there, and um, it's 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 new new for Tommy, and I suppose new for the group. Um, uh, the group may have not to- known Tommy as well as they would have known, say, Bugs. Um, and then Lucas obviously is coming from um, different background. Um, he's sure we know that he was with Tip previously, and he was with Galway for the last six years as well. So uh, he has um, more ideas and different ideas to the people that are there for before. So a bit of freshness there, and we'll I suppose we'll we'll we'll, we'll get the results. Uh, we'll see some of the results of um, the work that we were doing um, over the last while. You know, you'll see it on on, on Sunday and, and throughout the league. Yeah, intercounty management, Brian, must be an unmerciful animal to try and keep up with because not only does it change year to year, but it probably changes in terms of how lads are approaching it. Even I'd say quarterly throughout a championship season, it, it just must never stop. Yeah, well, it's it's the the, the job is um, like. <laughs> The thing about it is, you know, you 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 get a certain period of time to go at it, and in that period of time, you have to give it you have to give it everything that you have for that small period of 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 time. So if you look at it in 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 the overall perspective of your whole life, you know, you you've got you've got um, you've only a certain period of time to to get up to that level, um, and. While you are there, you do want to give everything that you have for the period of time and for the players that are there. That you want to have everything right, and you want to, you want to have all the resources that you possibly can, and you want to get all the expertise that is available. Um, and you do that, and you hope then that you know during your stint that you've been there, you're, you 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 put good structures and continue on the work that other people have done, um, and hopefully to leave it in a better place than 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 how you find find it um so look that's the approach um and um that's what we're trying to do um but look every other team um is following that kind of approach as well so it's 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 fairly competitive um so um yeah all that we can do is look after what we are that we control ourselves and uh, and see where that brings us how busy are your medical staff this week? Um, look, it, the, the, one of the big challenges with the um, with the split season is that we find 
that when we get the lads back in, you know, this year now was the 24th of November, but um, for the first period of time that they're back in with us, we could have 20 guys on the treatment table, you know, um, sometimes even more. So it, it, there's massive demands on our, our medical team between the physios, um, the doctors and the various consultants that we would, that we would use. So it, um, it can be a big challenge um, to get all those guys right um, after coming back from the, 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 the club season because generally the knocks that they have within their county they're bringing into the club and then um, after the club season we try and address these issues that are there with the expertise that we have. So um, we devote a lot of resources and a lot of time into getting the players right. <clears throat> And sometimes, sometimes you just run out of time. You don't get them right, and then more times you just have to sacrifice some some parts of the the, the calendar uh, to 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 get guys right in the hope that they will be better at some time um, later on in the year. But um, at the moment, we have um, sure look we've 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 a couple of um, of uh, injuries that are there, but that's. That's just par for the course. You you have to deal with those, and we're carrying a good panel um, that have worked really hard. And if some guy isn't there, and some other guy um, gets the opportunity to um, uh, get the jersey or claim the jersey, and uh, we'll see uh, we'll see how that goes. And just finally on that point of the calendar, because you're in a very unique position to be able to assess the balancing act of. County and Fitzgibbon management because obviously you, you've been extremely involved in both. How sustainable is it? It seems to be a talking point every January or, or is it just that, that it is what it is and you have to get on with it? Um, it's kind of it is what it is. We've got um, we've got 14 guys involved. There's a good bit of, of management of that and what we find is, say for example, today now um, um Monday, we've got we've got four guys who are involved with uh, Mary Eye, um playing a game that was postponed um, two weeks ago because of the frost. So that that just has um, uh, it's it's just an extra complication that is there. We're able to handle that, you know. It's 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 Monday, right? They didn't train over the weekend with us um, and train again on Friday. So it's it's um, we'll be able to manage it, but. You know, obviously, if 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 you had a, a large number of players that get get injured, that would cause a cause a big problem. But I think I think we're able to manage it, and the the you know fourteen involved is it's a big number, um, but think 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 we are able to manage it. Clare manager Brian Lohan there ahead of Sunday's game with Cork in Cusick Park. I've also been speaking with Clare's 2018 All-Star Peter Duggan to get his thoughts ahead of the year and we'll also hear now from Ballet's Kevin Sheehan to look ahead to what way things might unfold. We've been eager to get um, to get a chance to rectify our last loss. Um, like I was saying during the, the um, win house draw today, um, since we lost, lost the Kenny last year, we've been waiting for an opportunity to kind of to, to show what we're really capable of and fingers crossed this league is going to show that I'm amazed that the hurt doesn't subside a small little bit yeah look you're always going to be hurt any time that you don't win we've been chasing the Dragons since 2013 and trying to get back um, to the pinnacle of Hurling and 
we've just always been falling short lately and the only way to look at it is in a positive point of view. If you go in with a negative point of view, you're going to go nowhere. So fingers crossed we can find and blood in a few new young players and we can see where we go from there. Like you have to, you can't, you can't just go same, you can't just repeat, stay repeating and with no change, something has to change, something has to give. So we just have to attack training, try and get that extra three or four percent and fingers crossed get over the line this year and get a bit of silverware Yeah a real sense that you've, you've really really hit the ground running this year in training from what we're hearing anyway Yeah well, look at the end of the day you just go into training and you, you, you train as hard as you can you try and get every every evening that you go training if it's to the gym whatever it is you just have to try and find an extra percentage you have to try and find something that you've that you know that you've you've worked well on and you know that you've improved and if you improve in every training session that you do you're going in the right direction the National League, I mean, it has been a major talking point as to how different teams have approached it, but that's outside noise. Do players just look at it as a game and a game and a game? Oh, look, you know, personally, like when it comes to the league, that you're trying to get as fit as you can, you're prepping yourself for championship, really. That's the way it has been for the last number of years, and you know, more game time that you can get in against the elite of the elite, all the best players from all other counties. That's what you want. You feel more comfortable when it comes to on the big days then in the championship. So, more, more, uh, the more numbers of players that we can get, experience. Um, if we got, if we got 25 or 30 players playing in the league, to be brilliant and it, it gives us an extra confidence boost going into the Munster championship. You talk about a team looking to maybe perhaps prove a point, and it's ironic you say that when Cork are the visitors to Innes because they feel like that they've perhaps underperformed. So maybe both teams going out with a point to prove. Yeah, exactly. We're looking both teams to go out and. Welt off each other all day long, which we'll see what happens at the end of the day. And Looking ahead to the start of the National Hurling League uh, campaign with Kevin Sheehan. Kevin, I guess, look, Munster Hurling League, right, it's over, it didn't finish, but from a clear perspective, I'd say nobody overly bothered given that we were out of that particular complication. But the the National League, does it ramp up? Yeah, I, I think so. And look at I, as you said, there all you can mention with with the Munster Hurling League is that Brian got got a huge amount of players, you know, decent amount of minutes against. I suppose look at Limerick had, had a slightly more experienced team, Cork had a much more experienced team. So I'd say be happy enough to be in h- how competitive they were. But yeah, I'd say over the last kind of three weeks or so, they would have ramped up training massively. Um, leading into the league, which you know, I think the league is is too close in championship now that it has to be taken with with a you know a certain level of seriousness that that you're kind of ready at the end of it to I suppose put in that final month preparation. But I I think the day of of throwing a league you know under the bus is is well well gone. And at the same time, then like it it probably is about trying to find that balance of yes having seven or eight or nine regular faces, but also letting young lads learn to become options later on. Yeah, definitely. I suppose um, you know. You look at you. You look at us the last couple of years. Um, by the time I suppose we we went up to play Kilkenny, we we've been a little bit I suppose battle drawn and um, you know weary weary in in some positions where you know we we definitely have have a few linchpins in that team that that we we struggle you know without Conor Cleary or maybe like John Conlon. So look, I, th- I think in this league now I think you know the lads will be looking at at maybe you know finding easier solutions to those problems if if they do become a problem down down the line. We've seen in recent years as well that because of the proximity of league and championship, can there be the danger of an element of shadow boxing between provincial rivals? Oh, definitely, absolutely. And I'd say when when the Clare lads look down at the um, 
at the at the league format. You know, we've Cork up front of a first, and then we hit into Waterford. You know, not quite ideal. I I I think we'll see. You know, a good mix of um, you know, maybe maybe eight players that are kind of what we call experienced, and maybe you know the other seven players, maybe you know lads that that want to be seen in in you know top class action, and and see what they're made of. Um, I would say that kind of you know lined up with with Wexford on the 25th of February I'd say from there on the Clare team might start I suppose merging back to what we see and we go kind of from 8 players to 9 players to 10 to 11 of what we'd see in our starting team and then it's up for these fringe guys that you know are getting the options to try and stake enough of a claim to, to be seen into the last couple of games because it, it does work out well to have 3 Leinster teams in the last 3 games where there's no shadow box and we can we can see what we want to see yeah, and at that case, then, like if results and momentum start to build up ahead of steam, you could easily end up finding yourself in the knockout stages. And given that there's a week, I think, extra, if I'm not mistaken, uh, between league and championship than we had last year, does that make it a little bit more attractive then to go for it? Yeah, I think so. Just looking at the dates here, um, you've you've the final of the league on the sixth or seventh of April, and you're not playing championship for three weeks. So look at come hell or high water, the league final is always hugely competitive, and and whoever gets there wants to win it. It, it is played at championship pace. So look at Baron, Baron. You're you look at if if you're in that in that mix towards the end, I'm sure the lads will, Brian will want to push on for it. You know the only the only issue then is if you if you pull a you know a limerick or a tip or someone in in a final that maybe you don't want to show your full hand, but that's that's probably a good you know it's a good place to be anyway, and you can go back to maybe those four or five that maybe you're not certain about will they make you know into that twenty six or you know those two or three positions that you know maybe you've an experienced guy and and a young lad pushing him hard and and those decisions get easier by seeing him in the heat of battle. So yeah, I think you know if we can pick up if we could pick up a win across the first couple of weekends. Of, of Harlan, you know, with the way the next few are lining up, um, we should be in a good position if we want, if 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 that's the, I suppose, the goal or a target to hit into the latter stages of the league. There's been a huge amount of work done, I'd imagine, to cut the panel too in in recent weeks because there was plenty standouts in in those two um, Munster Harlan League games. But like outside of defensively, as you mentioned, those that those three and six spots, is there anywhere else in the field you think that that little bit of stacked cover is needed? Yeah, I suppose. Look at just just looking at I, I suppose Tony Kelly out for for I suppose the next um, the next while and Ryan Taylor being I suppose a long term injury with, with the knee. I suppose look at personally, I feel like that kind of box to box midfielder or, or hugely energetic midfielder um, is something that we we probably need to try and you know get someone in there. I think you know. You have Davy Conroy who showed well with four points. Um, Robin Moynes, he hit four points against Cork. And you have Dave Reedy coming back in. You know, I, I suppose maybe one of those three would see maybe a, a bit of green grass in front of him to get to get a bit of game time around the middle of the pitch and maybe, you know, put down a flag early. Um, after that, I, I think that maybe we're, we could maybe do with a, a ball winner at 10, 10 and 12. Um, you know, that that's just something that... Um, not that we're lacking, but maybe you know someone coming off the bench that can offer you know a bit of physicality in that side of the pitch, and then look at I suppose after that then you know we had Mark Rogers and and um, Adam Hogan had huge years last year. Hopefully they'll step again because I think both of them have it in them to keep climbing the ladder up to be real top top class intercounty hurlers. Um, you know so you know another lad then you know you've Keith Smith. 
we introduced against Cork was very impressive and you know probably turned the game back in our favour and we had it back to a point before Cork got the last two scores I suppose to get over the line and then you know I, I think Darrell Owen you know is quietly you know staking his own claims I think he was very impressive last year against Dublin you know anytime he's been called on he's been good and I think he's had a, a fairly strong uh, Munster League as well so look there's there's a few lads there I think that you know and, and they're not quite I suppose greenhorns yet they've, they've a bit of matches played a bit of league played a bit of championship played so there's plenty of room for, for improvement within the younger guys in the panel and I think that's where you know these guys that have, that have a bit of bit of experience that they'll be looking to really shove on a bit yeah, it's interesting you bring up that role of somebody that kind of skulks around the, the rock ball almost that uh, that nine position in rugby like you'd have seen Tony doing that up close for Bellier like you never see him going into the rock but when a Stan Lanine or a good you get a ball out they know exactly where it's going given how crowded a middle third is now in the modern era like having that explosive player that can exploit the grass in front of you when, when the ball eventually comes clear like how important is that? Look at it. It's huge, I suppose. We we all speak about about this tra- traditional phase in in hurling, and as you said, a, a ball in the rook and you know the sixty five, you know sometimes that's a goal chance in itself. If if you if you overrun your cover and you've one or two skulking in behind, and it's, it only takes a pop and, and a bit of pace to be gone. And I I think our our huge trump card against um against Limerick in particular is the Tony Kelly Ryan Taylor pendulum where you've got an absolutely animal pace in, in terms of breaking down their their huge physical block. And um, you know, maybe not as important in other in other games where, you know, we can physically take them on. But that's one area that Limerick struggle against us in, in our pace around there. And I think that's that's just an area that with, with both those guys under pressure at the moment, I think it's important that, you know, that's something that we, we need to I suppose look at that we have huge pace in terms of coming up and down and the pitch. You have Cahill Malone there, but I think he's kind of more of our I suppose our steady hand that, that kind of protects in front of the centre back and maybe even at times slips to a centre back when you know if, if John was missing. Um, so I think it's that that real energy, energetic pacey hurler, or the likes of the Rob Mounsey, the likes of the Davy Conroy, who kind of you know good pacey hurlers, lovely tidy touches, and can float into the spaces that that could be problematic for for the likes of a Limerick. But you know I suppose stepping up to the likes of a Tony Kelly or Ryan Taylor level, you know it's a long way up to to get there. So you know it, it, it'll take a bit of work. Yeah, but it might be this game, the weekend against Cork, might provide an opportunity to see some of that because. They like to play a hurling. You you kind of get space against Cork that you mightn't against a Wexford, for example, because they're not too interested in the close quarter stuff. They want to play ball with you. Yeah, they want to play ball. I, I think I think for Cork, you know, their huge thing is is on on restarts more, you know, for and against. And I I think they maybe when they're light and I suppose they're they're still quite a young team building off, off a couple of you know minor and twenty one successes. Um, I I think they're they're very much based on on their own puck out and opposition puck out, which I suppose doesn't really set to to you know set up a, a big block of eight in the middle to to really work through. And you know, is Ryan Ryan hit, or sorry, Robin hit four points in play against them from centre forward the last day. They, they do leave space around that middle. They don't quite protect their centre back as much as other teams. Their centre back has a lot of work to do. And they're, as you say, they're they're looking to attack with ball and score and, and maybe attack more than defence. 
so it would it would be a decent opportunity for for you know one of our midfielders to to try and really put up the hand to 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 hit a few points and and whoever's playing centre forward really should be able to get on a good bit of ball against Cork the weekend because as I said it's it's not a position that they're they, I suppose other teams mind or six hugely so that they can fall back and protect the full back line. Not so much in Cork. They have very pacey cornerbacks that attack from the front, and um, you know try and try and win that ball out in front of the man, as opposed to tidying up all the space in front of it. So, the, it is an area where where we can exploit the weekend. It's um, I suppose it's it's just you know I suppose from a from a first point of view, um, it's it's who will be in there, and and you know is that the way Brian wants to go? Or would he prefer to sit back with two defensive midfielders and create space up top? You know we'll we'll get more of a feel of that, as, as I suppose when the team is named. And then even you know in the first five six minutes of the game on in in terms of our own shape. Well, David O'Brien joins us to both look uh, back and ahead. I suppose it's that swing week of Clare's first two games in the National Football League, and above everything else, David, no matter what analysis you want to do on everything that happened on Sunday, is the most important outcome that there's two points beside Clare's name on that table. Yeah, I think that's the only thing that matters uh, at, at the start of the year because look, a lot of teams probably just getting back in, especially Clare this year where there's a lot of new players. Um, so they found out a lot about themselves last weekend because it was a tough game at different stages. It looked like they might lose it, they might draw it, they might win it. Um, and a lot of times when you were saying you'd want to experience heads and things like that, and this is a very young Clare team and in fairness, they battled it out and got their two points and it's it's just a matter it sets them up for the rest of the league. Like it just sets up that as we've always said in the past, how quickly you can get to that four or five points. And if there's games left, you're looking one way, and if there's if there isn't games left, you at least you're not looking the other way. So that's um that's the big thing, just get the points on the board as quickly as possible. Yeah, from your experience of being involved, how important is day one in setting the tone for the rest of them? Well, it is because you're not playing catch up on on everyone else. Because those like Division Three, and Two and Three in particular are so tight. Like any of those teams can beat each other on any given day. So it's it's just one of the things. Where you get the two points, and you get the advantage because you could play in the same team again the following week, and they could turn you over. It's that even in the middle. So in 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 those middle sixteen teams. So it's just about getting the, getting the points on the board. You've two points. There's already teams that are on zero. There's teams on two. So it'll start to split itself up after maybe the third round you start to know what battle you're in and you want to be in the promotion one as long as possible anyway, rather than looking into a relegation one straight away and the manner of the victory like when you, when you win by a last second score and, and, and then obviously West or Sligo having the chance to level it that, that thankfully from our point of view went astray like what that does then maybe to bond the squad for the week ahead Oh, it's massive because it's not like sometimes you you can win a game and you can be five or six times up and it's one easier and you don't learn an awful lot. You learn that they're they're very good footballers and things, but at county level, players are there because they are good footballers. So it's down to the, the battling qualities that you know because they haven't played many intercounty games. A lot of those players, you just wouldn't know it. But I'll say Mark would be delighted this week. He he's going into training. He's he's learned something about that team that he he may have noticed in training over the last couple of months, but he saw it in first hand last weekend in a, in a league game when the pressure was on, and um, that when they lost the man at the start of the second half and give away the goal as well. There was the thing where a younger team could crumble, but they didn't. I know it was like I had lost a couple of men as well, but 
you can only play, play the hand you're dealt and that's the clear tuck it and, 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 and they drove it on as, as the game went on Yeah, one of the things Mark referenced after the game was maybe the need just to slightly improve Clare's game management but he was happy with the way they kind of worked that last score fabulous bit of skill from Manus the way he flicked that ball up and, and laid it off and you know Aaron I thought showed great pace and composure to go and pick off the winner like so as you say it, it's, a, it's a great learning but a lot of maturity within the squad as well in the way they dealt with it yeah, look, that's it. And as you said, game management. That'll come. That'll come with games. Um, comes with picking up a few wins. You know, a lot of players. You know, am I ready? You know, is anyone making their debuts or coming in young or maybe might have been there for the last couple of years but not who got game time? In the back of your mind, am I ready for the league? And you know, the thing last weekend, a lot of them will be able to go into training this week and just go, yeah, I'm ready for it. I'm here in Merritt and, and I'm ready to go. And like you mentioned there about the Division Two and Three being so tight, and it kind of feels like that every team you beat is nearly two and a half points because if it comes down to that dreaded head-to-head then you, you also have the bit of an advantage there. Like So I suppose this will apply to Westmeath as well. They started with a victory last weekend on the road. Now they're at home. They'll see this as a massive opportunity. Oh, definitely, and they'll be one of the teams that would have earmarked at the start. They'll be they'll be looking for promotion. They won't they won't be thinking about being in a relegation dog. But now you could end it. That'll give them a spring there. If they're game under this weekend that sets us up that from here on in we're just looking at um, promotion whereas if you start off and we'll say on zero you're going into this weekend's home game we're going we may only have three home games and we're trying to trying to um, stop stopping in a relegation battle so Westmead will be going into but the good thing is you're two teams in the back of wins so they'll um, they'll both be going for it and, and come we'll say Sunday evening one of those teams will be banging the promotion race and if it feels like it's a clear team that are going to go to the other Cusick Park we'll call it and maybe take the game to Westmeath like there, there was good pace in the transition I felt in, in what Clare were trying to do on Sunday yeah well Clare, Clare looking at the team it's it's a team built to attack because physically they aren't the biggest team in the world and we'll say experience wise so they don't look like a team that are going to sit back soak up pressure and hit teams in the break that you'd see maybe a team that would have a lot of 28, 29, 30 year olds that have played together a long time would have maybe 60 league games between them, I would say, set up where this is a young player team, so they probably do, the way they're going to have to play, and they have a lot of pace in the team, probably not physically very big, but a lot of pace, so they may well just attack and really just go for it. But it's going to be a, a, a serious test, though, like even in Clare's pump, when all those players were there, like go back to, you know, the serious battles we've had with Westmeath down the years, it, it's certainly going to be a step up. Oh, it's definitely going to be a step up because you've got that little bit of know-how. Sligo, I know they came on the back of winning that kind of under 20 last year, but this will be a step up because you've got an ex- experienced campaigners uh, with a genuine belief. And and, and in, in Westmead, like, they don't fear anybody, especially at home. They, some of those players would have played Division 1 league and I know there might, mightn't be too many of them left, but they've played Division 1, they've played Division 2, they've seen the other side of it, they've built up experience over the years and in the back of their mind, they're they're targeting their home games, going, "We'll win these." In the back, that's what they'll they'll be focused on. We've we've whatever three home games, and we're going to win those three, and then we we'll let, let everything else take care of itself. So they're going to have to go up and just really just go for it, um, and that's what last weekend gives you it gives you that little safety net where you really can go for it now. That's what they'll be hoping to do on Sunday in TEG Cusick Park from 2 o'clock. After last week's game against Sligo, I spoke with Clare manager Mark Fitzgerald and goalkeeper Stephen Ryan. Good performance, to be fair. Probably should have won 
by more when you look at probably the chances we missed. Uh, there was a period there where I think we probably left about one four after us. Um, but you know, we're, our game management probably just needs to get a little bit better. But I suppose, look, if first day out, you'll be you'll be happy with the two points, you know. And you'd have been happy at half time as well. Probably first ten aside, we were well in control. Maybe one or two scores left out, but good healthy lead. Yeah, absolutely. And look, we were probably. We, we probably didn't have the energy that we that we wanted in, in, in the first maybe first quarter of the match but um, you know I thought we started to tab on, tag, tag on a few scores um, we struggled a little bit under our kickouts and in, in, in the first half and we kind of addressed that a little bit um, but yeah relatively happy at, 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 with a four point lead um, you know but then obviously started the first half we had possession lost it black card and then we got caught with a bit of a sucker punch, so it did well, like, you know. Yeah, great response from the lads, though, because I think Sligo attacked on a point after that again, and suddenly you were saying, geez, they're back in it, but never got ahead, that was crucial. Yeah, absolutely, never got ahead, you know, and I think we always, we were we were starting to get a couple of turnovers and start, um, you know, starting to get a bit of joy going forward, and uh, obviously looked in, we got the, we kind of got the man advantage back up when they got the red card, and, 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 and possibly... I thought we'd played well with it, but um, you know, just our execution was poor. For first half was really good. Second half was poor enough. We left a lot of bad boys after. There were good shots, but just bad, bad execution. You know. That's an easy fix, though, is it? That is like sure. Look, the fellas kicking them, or the fellas you want kicking them. Emmett, Aaron Griffin, no, Iggy kicked one wide, but I thought he was very good all day. Like he was really good, you know. And uh, obviously missed a penalty then as well, you know. Good positive mood now, though, heading up the road in seven days' time. Oh, sure, absolutely, absolutely. But sure, look, you have to dust yourselves down now and get ready for, for, for us meet, like, you know. Stephen Ryan, a warm round of applause here from the Clare supporters in Cusick Park. Two points in the bag, but it was right down to the wire, wasn't it? It was, of course, yeah. I know, just delighted to get over the line in the end. Like, we saw a great character there. Get that point at the end and then just defend the lead. So, yeah, no, just delighted to get the two points now. Yeah, I suppose it's a bit of pressure off because today was a day that you would have been building towards for quite some time. Yeah, I suppose all the work we've done for the last few months, like I know the talk has been about about the players that have gone away, but there's serious talent still there in the group, like, and lads coming in. So we knew that in ourselves and... Uh, Look, uh, we're not getting ahead of ourselves, but look, we'll just focus now on the next day. But just delighted to get the win. Yeah, and that bit of experience that's left in the squad, you needed that at various times during that game. Ah, yeah, 100%. Like, the likes of, we still have a, a good lad there, you know, full back all the way up along. So, uh, yeah, we showed our experience there, I suppose, just to get over the line. But, uh, yeah, we'll just move on now and focus on, the, on next weekend. It's, it's important to be doing that in a positive mind frame. No, you're going back, you'll have plenty to work on, obviously, but yeah. you're going back with two points in the bag. 100%. Yeah, I know there'll be a nice buzz around training. Like, Tuesday night, we'll be back in the gym, you know, and uh, Wednesday, then again. But uh, yeah, it's nice to get that winning feeling, especially the first game. We know how important it is in the league. Like so, yeah, no, just delighted. And no doubt you'll want to add consistency to that as well. It'd be nice to put four points in the bag in seven days, wouldn't it? Hundred percent, yeah, hundred percent. And we know how we've been up to Mullingar before. You know, Westmead are a good side, um, so we're under no illusions of uh, that'll be a difficult battle. But it's one we're looking forward to. Yeah, and you're like a man that's enjoying his football at the minute. You're well versed yeah. outfield for the Shamrocks, obviously. Yeah, yeah. You spent more time maybe out to field there than you did between the posts. Small, but I, I was a bit wary going there near the end. But ah, uh, uh, yeah, no, sir, it's something that we we work on in training so I, I've played outfield going up along so uh, yeah something I'm used to I suppose yeah. Yeah, Does it help now in the modern game to have that outfield experience? I suppose it does like uh, you see a lot of teams are trying it out now I know Killian Roach another uh, Clare man he kicked five points last night but uh, I was a bit further back but um, yeah no it's definitely a part of the game like uh, trying to get that plus one coming out of defence like so something we work on as well yeah. We'll have live coverage of the game on Sunday here on Clare FM that coming with Innes Home Furniture and Tuberley's Bar and Restaurant in Dunbeg.
Oh, next up here on Sideline View, you might hear we're not in studio anymore. We've made a short trip down here to Curran's Bar in Ennis to take in the coursing preview this week's uh, focus is on the Clonmel Festival. It's hard to believe it's 12 months since we did this last. Uh, delighted Alan Troy has made the journey down with me. Alan, look at, we'll go through the runners and, and, and the trainers and owners and everything from a clear point of view. But firstly, let us know, I suppose, how big a date this is in the diary for everyone that's involved. Well, really, it's Derek, it's the mecca of the, the Greyhound world. Um, and it's great this year that the final day, um, the Monday, is on a bank holiday. So more than any other year, the, the, the crowds are anticipated to be larger than ever. So it's um, from the news from Clamel, they're really excited. They're putting in the preparations. Um, no tale will be left untold as they, they do their best to make sure that the standards that they've set down through the last few years are attained and improved on this year. It's been a spectacle and magnificent occasion to attend the last, every meeting really, but the last few years the standards have really gone to another level and no different for this year. And it's exciting. It was a great season around within the Clare clubs, commencing with Innes and Clare Castle. Uh, sorry, commencing with Liscanor, then Innes and Clare Castle and Milton Malbay, Kilimer Kilrush, the Tradery meeting then was run in conjunction with the regional meeting and it, from a clear perspective it finished on the 27th of December at a large crowd at the fabulous Balnagun stretch in Cree uh, for the South Clare course in meeting and it was very large attendance there on both days despite inclement weather. And um, we have plenty of Clare runners. We have basically four representing us in the Bile Sports Derby, four representing us in the Horse and Jockey Hotel Oaks, plus um, there's a runner in the, the Callaway Kennels and Kevin Smith's Champion Stakes. So I'll go through all the runners later and that and the uh, details of who's training them, who bred them and who owns them. And I was talking to a lot of the owners over the last week and... Um, just say there's a lot of butterflies in the belly at the moment. People are, they're, they're walking their dogs now. They're probably afraid to let them off the leaves in case the, um, mishap it ha can happen, which can happen. But um, no, I was talking to a few now over the weekend and just, just say that there'll be a few sleepless lights over the next week because with the excitement that's building up with it. And, um, and again, there's going to be, as always, a large clear uh, attendance at the national course of meeting. This is the 98th national course of meeting, so it's gone from strength to strength. The town of Clonmel and its, its environs, it's worth millions to the, to the, to the, the, the businesses down there. And, um, and again, our friends from North Kerry across the water, they'll come down in their droves. Um, uh, from Northern Ireland as well, you'd see, you'll meet every type of accent down there. Um, You'll even see there'll be a lot of foreign visitors as well. Um, there's, there's a group of coursing fanatics from Sweden, um, all over Europe. There'll be always French and you'd meet German people. And in the past, I've actually met Russian people there attending it. So it's, it's, just, um, it's um, uh, just a bucket load of different varieties and different interests. And again, you'd get a lot of support from the horse fraternity as well. Um, they'd be interested in attending it and, and seeing the spectacle, what is the national course of meeting. Yeah, I suppose it's apps that we're here in Kiran's because uh, for people, we can become their eyes now and have a, we're looking at a derby trial stake fest here in front of us. There's cutouts from newspapers. Kiran Brown, the proprietor, a huge supporter of the game and several more like him. But uh, this is an apt house to be in, I suppose. It is indeed, yeah. Um, we're here looking at Where's Cranny, the picture of him winning his trial stake in 2013. And I know there was 
they still talk about the celebrations when they came home from Lockray after winning that trial stake. And, and a great supporter of the game too was the late Frank White of the Halfway Bar, uh, a great friend of all the course and fraternity here in Clare. And no doubt on the Monday evening after it's all over and people are on their way home, it's a watering hole for people to meet and catch up with old friends and... You know, the, the course and community in, our, in, in, in Clare, you know, they're, they're very close. People know everyone. It's, if you go to a GA match, a course, someone that you'd meet in the course and field would salute you and um, people would have one another's back and uh, there's, there's um, this great camaraderie between all the different people around, the, from East Clare to North Clare, West Clare and South Clare. And, um, and uh, again, say in the halfway bar on Monday evening, people will be talking about what to have for next year and they'll have a pep in their step talking about it in anticipation of basically they'll be there next year and that's what keeps the game going, hope and, 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 and the dream of getting there and walking your dog, driving into Powerstone Park, into the car park, putting the lead on your dog and bringing it into slips. That's everyone that's involved in coursing and greyhound racing in this, in, 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 within, uh, throughout the country. That's their dream, that's the ultimate, and we keep on. It's like a football team or hurling team. You keep trying, you keep trying to improve, and that's all, all the Greyhound owners and trainers will be doing for the, the next 12 months. You talk about hopes and dreams, then, Alan, take us through those from Clare that uh, are hoping to achieve those this year. So in the Bile Sports Derby, um, the Hart and Hawk clan from Kilkee have two runners qualified. These include um, Joe, Barry and Josh Hart, and they get great help from Damien, Linda, Keane and Shane Hawk. So Bayview Bandit, who is owned by Keane Hawk, he qualified in Listole, and he's a son of Blades of Hope and went back west, and he's currently priced at 50 to 1. Then they have Intrinsic Yank, who impressed at the Climber Clarush meeting and he, when he won the working member stake at his ease. And he gained his golden ticket at the Dungarvan meeting. And he's a son of Nguyen Wander and Cardi B. And he is owned by Josh Hart, who is actually based in New York at the moment. And he is currently priced at 33 to 1. Then we have Striking Distance and he collected his ticket at Milltown Malbay for Ina's Noel Herr. He had previously won the reserve dog trial stake at the Clare Castle meeting and he's a son of Bally Macbest and Specific Wonder. He's currently priced at 25 to 1 and Rachel Wheeler from Golden is a uh, giant owner with, with Noel in striking distance. Then we have Michael Eustace who has the accolade of winning five football championships with his native Kilrush and he's represented in the classic by Windfarm Mike. Went for a mic, hit the post on three occasions as a beaten finalist. But he got uh, the news when one of them was unable to represent. So he is representing the Rat Downey Club. He's bred by George Gallery of the Cologne Kennels and he's a son of Kyle Lee and Colossal Delight. And Liz Canner's Declan McDonough is his trainer and he's currently priced at 40 to 1. Also on the Cardas reserves, we have Sammy Tiger and Malbay Houdini who both will be hoping to grace the Powerstone Town stretch in the TA Morris Constellation Derby stake at least. Sammy Tiger impressed at the recent South Clare meeting at Balnagon Cree for the Banner Gentlemen Syndicate. This comprises of Cora Clare's John Reedy, Tom Brown, Michael Healy, Cross Native Finbar Keating, Mullocks Brendan Clancy and Pat Reedy and Frank Finucane from Camahill. He's a son of Kyle Mozart and Goshka Bui and he was bred by Kilmurray Ibrickens' Johnny Sexton. He's trained by Patrick O'Connor, who hails from Saline near Tarbert, across the water. 
Malbay Houdini is a son of How Do 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 and Oakview Lily, and he's owned by the Milltown based Pure Gander Syndicate. He's trained by Jerry Burke, and this syndicate comprises of Jerry, his daughters Sarah and Kira, his nephew Kevin, Jason O'Dwyer, and Owen Hurley. He was a comprehensive winner of the Reserve Dog Tri Stake at the Climber Kilrush meeting. And now to runners in the Horse and Jockey Hotel Oaks. Legendary Clare hurler Sean Stack from Six Mile Bridge is represented by Lady Wilde. This daughter of Annual Fergie and Bresca Wilde really caught the eye at the Tradery meeting when claiming her golden ticket. She is quietly fancied at 16 to 1 and is currently trained by Owen McKenna from Tipperary. The Atlantic prefix has graced Powerstown Park on many occasions down through the years. And Milltown Malbez Paddy Marnon is very excited about Atlantic Sunset challenging for this year's Females Classic. A daughter of New Wayne Wander and Cracking Prem, she won a very competitive trial stake at a packed Abbey Field meeting during the festive period. Partly owned and trained by Eamon Kiley, who resides in Cork, she is priced at 14 to 1. Martin Keane from Kilmehill is represented by Ty Smile who he owns in partnership with Patrick Tracy from Kilfinnan in County Limerick. A daughter of New Inn Wonder and Say You Love Me, she, won a she was a comprehensive winner at the Charleville meeting and backed up her credentials and potential with an eye-catching victory of the South Clare All-Age Bitch Stake and she is currently priced at 25 to 1. Popular Nina native PJ Coney, who resides in Ballyalla Innes, is joint owner of Get Lucky with his brother Michal and she is representing the Nina Club. A homebred daughter of Blades of Hope and Well Friend, she is priced at 50 to 1. And on the card as a reserve is Johnny Skashka for Kilmurray I Brickens, Johnny Sexton. Having graced two finals, she is currently reserve E and will at least take her place in the Kitty Butler Stakes. She is a litter sister of the aforementioned Sammy Tiger and is bred by Kyle Mozart and Goshka Bui. And in the Callaway Kennels and Kevin Smith Champion Stakes, which will be run on the final day on Monday, for, this is basically for second and third season campaigners. The Hart and Hawk clan from Kilkee have further representation in the hands of Crew Beans. An impressive winner of the White Sands Hotel All-Age Stake at Ballyhike, he followed up two weeks after that triumph to take the feature event at the Milton Malbay meeting. And he is the son of Crafty Gonzala and Trilla Manella. Lots of runners, Alan, lots of owners, lots of trainers. It's, it's a fairly comprehensive list from a clear perspective. Yes, uh, we have four Derby, four Oaks and one Champion Stakes and, you know, the whole Clare uh, fraternity will be shouting on all the Clare own winner, uh, owners and, um, yeah, it, it's great to have, you know, friends of yours, especially now I'm from West Clare and see that the success story of this year's season has been the, uh, the Hearts and Hawks in, in Kilkee. Like... Um, they have three representatives now going to the, 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 this year's meeting, and that is a credit to them all. There's great teamwork and, and, and ethic, which, like, there's always someone to walk a dog, take out a dog. It's a team effort, mm -hmm. and they have a team. And young Keen Hawk there and Shane, they just love. And Josh, who unfortunately is away, as well as, you know, they love the greyhounds, and, 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 but they love the training aspect as well, and it's great for them as, as, as young men growing up, and they're learning so much about, as well as life, the wins and the, and the losses, and believe you me, Corson teaches you more losses than wins, and, 
But the day you win, you embrace it and enjoy it because it can be... It's a long time since the Hearts had a qualifier. I think it's about 12 years. They had a fisherman's blonde, but unfortunately she came in season and couldn't take her place in the, the Oaks. Um, so that it was great for them to get there, but again, it was disappointing that they couldn't, she couldn't grace the Powerstown stretch. But this year, they're really looking and, and excited about it. And there's a buzz around the town of Kilkee about it because, you know, they're getting support from their friends and, and, and family members and people who would have no interest in greyhounds as such, but they're following them and um, and, uh, and that, that no doubt they'll be listening and following Twitter about results and all that um, once the course starts next Saturday. We'll be keeping an eye on all the results as well. We're going to meet and talk to one of those hopefuls now next year on the show. Now, as we said, one of those men that's hoping to be raising the banner flag down in Clonmel is Clamehill's Martin Keane. Martin, we'll talk about your chances this year in a moment, but maybe to get a little background on yourself and your own uh, interest in the game. Well, I suppose we were always steeped in greyhounds. Um, they were in the house from the time I was born, um, and I spent... All my years from the time I was 12 or thereabouts working with my uncle, who would be known as Paddy Keane. He was Parik to us, but Paddy Keane, who is a well-known greyhound trainer, he's, he was one of the few men to win an Irish and English derby, moved back to Ireland um, and set up a base in Kinnegad. So from the time I was 12, I spent my summers working with him. And uh, we had great years. We won... Won lots of classics, won the Laurels three times, won the Irish Derby, um, won the Ledger in Limerick. And um, uh, I laugh now when I think of him because um, the idea that you'd be involved with coursing dogs just wouldn't enter his head. Uh, fair to say that he wasn't a big fan of coursing. Um, even though I had to take over every February, um, into January, February, whenever Clonmel was on because he and his late wife, Olive, uh, took off on the Sunday morning and uh, spent in those days, Monday, Tuesday and Wednesday, and came home on Thursday um, from uh, Clonmel. But um, as I say, my early days were all to do with track greyhounds, and my own life for many years was track greyhounds. So I uh, took a notion in... Uh, 2008, 2009, and I uh, formed a syndicate with my sisters and their husbands and uh, bought a coursing pup. He arrived from the north, sight unseen, and uh, picked him up in Limerick, took him home and reared him. Um, at that time, I still had a, a lot of track dogs. So um, Kevin Marmion uh, told me that a man that became a great buddy Albert Long might train a coursing dog. So uh, at that stage, we were both coursing virgins. <laughs> so um, Albert took the dog anyway. And uh, I suppose this future was kind of sealed. We won the trial stake in Abbey Field with him and um, kind of never looked back after that. Um, had a few every year after that. Most of them arrived in the same fashion, just picked them up wherever I, somebody would be prepared to meet me. And uh, I've been incredibly lucky um, in the number of trial stakes that I've won. Um, 
this is my 10th year getting to Clonmel since 2009 and um, haven't had any great look in Clonmel itself, mind you, but as everyone with a coursing dog knows, it's all about getting there and uh, it's a fantastic, fantastic feeling. Um, when you get as far as getting into the final of a trial stake and just getting yourself there, it's just... There's nothing to equal it, I think, for anyone involved in coursing dogs. And as I say, I've been awful lucky. Um, we've had some great times and met some terrific people down the years as a result. Um, a lot of them uh, were between Albert and myself. We had a dog this year, but he wasn't any good. And the bitch that we have this year then is um, one that I bred myself and uh, she uh, is down in Limerick with um, the Tracys. Padjo, Tracy and myself formed an alliance three years ago. Um, I had a lot of greyhounds the year of COVID and wasn't in a position to uh, keep them all. So another great course in man, Jerry Arthur, introduced me to John Tracy and uh, John and myself got to know each other. So um, asked them would they be interested in taking one 50-50 and uh, they said yeah. So Padjo, his father, who's a fantastic man with a dog, um, said send me down pictures of the pups or the saplings as they were at that stage and out of the pictures Padjo picked out a bitch and uh, again a great alliance. I named her Fate Intervenes and Fate definitely intervened in that situation because she won her trial stake in Dune. Um, didn't have any great joy in the Oaks. She wasn't in great form at that stage. Took her out the following year. She won two all ages for us and she got back to Clonmel last year in the champion bitch. And uh, this year he came up, uh, Pad Joe, and had a look at the litter of saplings and uh, didn't exactly pick one out. Didn't pick one out, but said that's a lovely looking fawn bitch so i reared them till they were four or five months old and uh, john said well bring down two so took down two pups and uh, opened the back of the jeep and pedjo looked in and he said ah you brought the fawn one so <laughs> he was delighted so she turned out to be very lucky she ran in a very competitive trial stake in kilflin um she was beaten in the semi-final and uh, three subsequent trial stake winners, one of the kind of shorter prices for the Oaks, uh, Zauber Flute, um, won our trial stake in Freshford. And uh, if we won our first round, we'd be renewing acquaintances with her in the second round. And uh, one of John Flynn's bitches won a trial stake from there as well. So it was a real good trial stake. So she went to Charleville and she uh, won the trial stake in Charleville. She beat a bitch of Congainies in the final. That bitch subsequently won her trial stake in um, Mill Street. And um, we decided that we wouldn't go to Abbey Field, that we would go to South Clare. Um, and um, Rita Tubridy has a nomination there. And Al Tubridy and myself were always great buddies. So um, the bitch ran in Rita's nomination in Curra Clare and won the um, all age there, which was fantastic great for a pup and um, in a way probably our Mill. you know it's great to get a bitch to win an all age in her puppy season so very happy with her
It really sounds, Martin, like the type of game that unless you have the clear passion for it that you do, that you just simply couldn't put in the amount of time and effort it takes, but yet the rewards are there for that time and effort at the same time. Well, everyone puts in the same time and effort, and <laughs> some people just aren't fortunate, you know? I mean, there are people that spend their life at it and do everything as well and probably better than the way I do it, but just aren't that lucky, you know? Um, I was talking to one of the Kerry people one day and they told me that um, Pat Kassan, one of the real famous Kerry owners, was beaten in the first round in Clonmel either 15 or 16 times. And he went back on the 16th or the 17th occasion, I don't remember which, with a bitch called Little Treasure and she won the Oaks, you know. So it's a game where you need persistence and no small degree of determination and probably plenty of money in your pockets as well. <laughs> but all those traits you talk about, how much of those are grounded by growing up with the animals and having to have that care, attention to detail and everything that it takes? Well, I suppose, yeah, I think if you were in it, well, first of all, I'd say if you were in it for the money, you'd be gone after a year, um, you know. So it is, it's, it's a way of life, you know. It's, it's something that just, it's, as they say, it's in your blood. Um, it has to be, you know, and I suppose just to say it's in the blood of all the people, all the working members in all the clubs around Clare and every place else. Um, like, you have to pay tribute to their dedication because they're the ones that really suffer hardship, you know. Um, and like a lot of them don't even keep a dog, you know, but for the sake of their own meeting, the amount of work they put in. And the hardship that they endure, it's just phenomenal, you know. And uh, I, I just have to pay tribute to them. They're just, they're outstanding, you know. And there would be nothing without them, you know. That's the reality. And it's such a strong scene here in the county, but particularly, I guess, in West Clare. And I know you're a, a Kilmetal member. There's a few of your fellow parishioners heading down with a syndicate as well. Like, it's a proper hotbed. Uh, it is, yeah. I mean, they were always there, you know. Um, the people that are kind of... I always have some connections, some maybe more, you know, um, a bit more tenuous than others, you know. I mean, I think if you're in the business of breeding greyhounds and rearing them, um, it's just, it's kind of second nature, you know. It's kind of something you do without thinking about it. And I suppose if you thought about it too seriously, <laughs> you, you probably wouldn't do it at all, you know. It's a big occasion, it's a big weekend, it's a bank holiday, which Alan Troy told us he's delighted about because it takes in Monday as well. Uh, will you head down for the three days? Oh, Lord, yeah. Yeah, it's kind of... Uh, it's Cheltenham for coursing people. That's what it is, you know. I mean, the aim of everyone with a coursing dog is to get there. Everyone starts out in July with a trial stake winner. By November, a lot of lights have dimmed. <laughs> and by the end of January, reality has struck, you know. So, yeah, irrespective of whether or not you have a runner, it's kind of, as I say, it's the equivalent of Cheltenham for people with, with coursing dogs, you know. That's the reality. Well, Martin, thanks for taking the time and a busy, busy week to call into us here for a chat and the very best of luck. Thank you very much. Thanks a lot. Soccer is our next port to call here on the show where this week saw the opening round draws made for the 2024 Ennis Carpets Clare Cup. Uh, two round one draws, everybody else getting the bye to round two. Uh, to look ahead to the weekend and indeed reflect on that draw with us now is uh, Jim Madden. Uh, Jim, welcome to the show once again. Um, I suppose, look, we'll, we'll, Thanks, there's, there's quite a number of uh, fixtures within it. Obviously, the, the 34 teams and the 17 games, we won't go through them all, but 
I suppose one that's jumping out that's always very interesting, you can have derbies with neighbours, but an all-parish derby kind of takes it up another notch, which is what it'll be when Connolly Celtic meet in Crusaders. That'll be a great occasion. Uh, it will indeed, and there's plenty of rivalry between the two of them. Uh, this year, Inch are quite maybe have a little bit of an edge on Connolly, but uh, Connolly are notorious in the cup for being able to uh, strengthen their squad all of a sudden. So uh, you take nothing for granted in that, and uh, I'd imagine that uh, that game will be played in Kilmaley at the national school there, and Connolly would have a home advantage. So uh, I think Connolly could give Inch a serious run for their money, but. It won't be an easy game. No, something tells me it'll be a well-attended one, though. Somehow, um, the defending yes. champions, the defending <laughs> champions, Avenue United, then uh, perhaps getting a, a draw that might possibly see them get through again uh, to the next round, and they take on Shannon Town C. They're operating in the the lower tiers, obviously. So uh, you'd imagine favourites with the with the holders in this one. Uh, they would indeed because Avenue uh, you know they're, they're doing quite well this season okay they had the disappointment to be knocked out of the FAI Junior Cup which I, I gather, gather is still rankling with them a good bit uh, they'll be very keen to make damn sure they don't go out at this early stage of the local cup so uh, I'd imagine uh, Shannon Town C could be in for a fairly serious afternoon yeah certainly and the market Celtic A last year's runners up they're at home for their first game uh, they take on Bunratty Cratlow and while they should you'd imagine come through it just when, when you saw that uh, written down on paper banana skin kind of came to mind uh, it does indeed, Derek. And I mean, every cup game can be a banana skin. No markets are not probably playing as well as they would like, but by God, they are getting the results. And uh, you'd imagine that they will be very keen to make damn sure they don't slip up against Bonratti in that and that they advance to an, uh, into the, ne- the next round of the cup. Yeah, there's a couple of games then that are perhaps a little bit more even, uh, maybe none more so than uh, that all... Uh, Premier Division tie between Lifford and, and Bridge that'll be a good game and uh, further down the ranks then Manus Celtic who we'll talk about more in a moment in terms of provincial action uh, they'll be hosting a Callan United side who are going well in the league so there's a real potential here for some proper cup ties I think we've spoken about Callan before that they are a quite a strong side but play good f- football they're top of the third division they're not there by accident either Manus having a very good season in the second division and of course uh, they, they are second there so um, yeah there'll be nothing taken for granted in that and Callan would love I would imagine to advance to the next round of the cup at their first attempt so uh, there could be a good crowd at that game as well Derek yeah certainly uh, two games in round one um, and again I think they're both fairly even um, Mount Shannon Celtic hosting Sporting in a Steinman over in Scarif and then Cool FC welcoming Tully United as well so uh, very little between the, those two last teams there in the Premier Division race so should be an even enough contest we'll bring you more details on that uh, closer to the time of those opening round games but before all that Jim another very busy weekend on the local scene uh, yes indeed uh, the, the season is now in full swing with games across all the divisions this weekend and uh, hopefully every, the weather will stay kind and uh, we'll get the whole programme played off uh, it, the on Saturday, a very important youths game in the FAI Cup fourth round when Bridge United play 
two mile Boris from Tipperary at two o'clock. Now, following their under 17 win last weekend in the FAI under 17, uh, Bridge United's under 18s will be keen to continue the run for the club as well. They should be good enough to win this. While Boris are quite a decent side in the North Tipperary League, uh, the Bridge are, I think, that little bit better. They should win there and advance to the next round. Also in the youth league, we have Tulla playing Bridge United B. Uh, I'm surprised that the B team are playing on, on, on Saturday, but that's the way the fixtures are gone. Uh, Tulla, I'd say, would win that. While Lifford have a game against Mount Shannon, Mount Shannon are finding the going a bit tough. So you'd imagine that Lifford should win that. And there are four games then at under-17 level. Derek St. Pat's versus Newmarket, Bridge Celtic versus Ennistown, uh, Cool versus Shannon Town, and Corrafin versus Bunratty. So a busy Saturday there, Derek. Certainly is. We'll turn it into Sunday where, as you said, there's games right across the, the divisions of the league. But a big game in Frank Healy Park. Guaranteed a clear team in the last four of this Munster Junior Shield. Uh, Manor Celtic taking on Fairgreen Celtic. Uh, Fairgreen coming through very, very comfortably in their rescheduled tie at the weekend. A quick turnaround for them, but they'll carry a bit of bounce with it. Uh, they will indeed so the confidence should be sky high they scored five goals last uh, Saturday night inside Limerick against Capamore and Capamore are quite a decent side as well uh, they're, they're great competition between themselves and Manus in the league uh, the county ground uh, hard to know whether it'll suit one or the other but anyway it's a good pitch it's good and big it'll be up for pace and that so the, the, the vote in my opinion will be going to fair green I would think they'll just have that little bit of extra incentive they have a very strong squad and uh, I'd imagine they should be getting their position in the semi-final but isn't it a great competition that Munster have come up with for the lower divisions and it has created a bit of excitement in the second and third divisions across all the leagues in Munster and everybody is very happy with the competition so looking forward to Sunday and hoping that, or not hoping but we will have as you said a clear team in the semi-final of that Absolutely. In the Premier Division then, Jim, the race continues and Avenue United had been due to be in action in the Munster Junior Cup. That game postponed for a couple of weeks, we understand it. So they're back to league action, but uh, facing an Innes Derby here against a Lifford team who know that points are absolutely vital. Uh, they do indeed it's a local derby that will be very very competitive it's hard to oppose Avenue I suppose uh, Lifford struggling a little bit at the moment finding it hard enough to win but they did score four goals in their draw with uh, Shannon Town last weekend so Avenue will be very aware of that but I think Avenue will still be hurting a little bit from being out of the FAI Junior Cup and they do have the Munster Junior Cup to look forward to I can't see them losing this and picking up another three points and staying it clear at the top of the table. Yeah, and if they don't, well then it'll be advantage New Market Celtic who face a tricky enough little tie. Uh, you know, Kilroach Rangers not going all that well at the at the foot of the table, but at the same time, uh, they'll be at home for this game back in West Clare and they certainly will make New Market Celtic all right to the distance. They, they will indeed and uh, back some weeks ago they played Newmarket uh, in a, a, I think it was in the Munster Junior Cup game and they really did push Newmarket a fair bit and Shane Cusick was in action a hell of a lot of times making some very good saves uh, Kilrush struggling a little bit they've had a few injuries and they picked up a bad enough injury last Sunday against Cool. they still held on to, to get the, a share of the points so it won't be easy and Newmarket will be well aware 
that Kilrush are capable of putting up a serious challenge. But the way Newmarket are playing at the moment, it's very hard to oppose them. And I think they will take the three points there. Yeah, they've been grinding out results. It's the sign of a, a brilliant team when you're getting results without playing well, uh, because you know when you put the shoe down, there will be a response. Um, East Clare then is the next port to call at two o'clock on Sunday in the Crag. Tulla United hosting Bridge United, both needing points, I suppose, for different reasons. If Tulla win, you'd imagine uh, that they'll move clear of that relegation scrap. But Bridge United looking to hang on the coattails, uh, keep on the pressure. They need the points to do that, though. Uh, they do indeed and they played quite well last Sunday against uh, Newmarket when they were beaten by one goal to nil. Uh, some of the players like John Mulready I thought in goal was excellent. Uh, they, they just didn't put as much pressure on the Newmarket defence as I thought they should have but then again there was a very strong wind and conditions were a bit difficult. Uh, you'd imagine that uh, in Tulla conditions will be a little bit better but I think Tulla's need for points is a little bit more than the bridges so maybe Tulla will hang on to at least take a point out of that we'll move then to the first division Jim take us through the fixtures and we'll have a little chat uh, well, there's four games in the first division, Derek. Ennis Dons played Newmarket B. Little to choose between the two of them and maybe a point apiece would suit them. Bonratti plays Shannon Olympic. Uh, that's at 11 o'clock. Olympic should have a bit too much. They're strong squad there and they should be able to continue their push for promotion. Uh, Mohor Celtic play Inch. Uh, Inch can continue their push for promotion and win that one there as Mohor. I don't seem to be the team of a couple of years ago, while Bottom Mount Shannon play Ryan Rovers and a win for Ryan would probably be very confident there. Yeah, things very tight at the top of that first division table. Inch on 18, Shannon Olympic and Ryan Rovers both on 17, all having the same amount of games played and uh, Innes Dons hanging on the coattails in with 13. So uh, certainly we'll be keeping an eye on those results. Uh, just two games then, Jim, in the second division. Uh, yes, indeed. Bridge United B play Connolly Celtic. We spoke about Connolly earlier on. Uh, home advantage should help Bridge B. Connolly do need to get a few points, but you'd imagine Bridge B will be a bit too strong. While Fern Celtic play Hermitage, a home win for Fern is fairly confident there. Hermitage, again, not as strong as they used to be in the past. Yeah, the top two, obviously, in that cup tie then, Fair Green and Manus, and Bridge United just That's uh, right. five points off Manus in second place, but they do have a game in hand, so as you say, that result could help them close the gap and uh, back just into the third division uh, Corrifin Harps hosting Callan United at 2 o'clock and Shannon Olympic B uh, versus Newmarket Celtic C in the, the third division as you said Callan going very very well in that indeed so um, you'll be thinking that they should be well placed uh, against a Corrifin team that are hanging on the coattails but uh, a Callan victory probably most likely well, we've spoken about derbies before, Derek, and this is an North Clare derby. They don't, they're not too far apart. Uh, Corrafin never give anything very soft, but you'd imagine that Callan should be good enough to win this and uh, keep their push for the promotion. While Olympic B and Newmarket C, uh, Jimmy Hulhan is the manager of Olympic B. Uh, he has a quite a big squad. They are pushing to get promoted as well there, and I'd imagine that they're too good for Newmarket C. Yeah, and just finally two games as well in the Ladies League in Kilmehill at 11 o'clock at St. Pat's taking on Cora Finn and uh, down in Six Mile Bridge. Uh, Bridge United against Hermitage that down for an 11 o'clock start. Uh, busy weekend as ever, Jim. We look forward to seeing how it all goes and we'll chat again next week. We will indeed. Thanks, Derek.
Now we wish the best of luck to all the Clare crew in action tomorrow in the Hartree Cup final for Ard Skull Reach. We'll be keeping you posted on that one. Along with Clare's second outing in the National Camogie League Division 2A, they play Tipperary at 2 o'clock in Meelick. John Carmody's side started their season with a good win over Wexford on the road last weekend. And after that game, Clare FM's Derek Dormer spoke with John and Clare captain Sinead O'Keefe. John Carmody, first of all, congratulations. But I mean, it shouldn't have been in doubt. Character in this team is just, it's in spades. And yet again today, they showed a trailing by three at half time. They came out and not merited, absolutely blitz Wexford for the entire second half. Yeah, look, it was our first day out, Derek, and I suppose we were training on AstroTurf and we were making a lot of mistakes on the ball there in the first half. I think, crucially, we wouldn't have been happy with our discipline in the first half. We give away five points from freeze, totally avoidable freeze. There was no need of fouling. So we spoke about that at half time. And look, these are a great bunch of girls. They, they listened to the coaches and they, they took that on board. I think we conceded one, one scoreable free in the second half. And that's huge at this level. You can't be giving away soft scores. So, as well as that, our, our ball to hand and our we, we rectified errors at half time. And. Um, I suppose this team has been involved in so many um, so many battles at this stage. One thing they're going to do is battle, we know that. And uh, just please, the number of players making their debut. Um, as I said to before we went out, like we're we're an intermediate team now in Merritt and um, we have the talent to compete at this level and we're clear and we're representing Clare and uh, why shouldn't Clare be, why shouldn't our second team be competing against the second teams of all the other top counties? That's what we want and uh, you saw there today we'll compete. Absolutely and you, you referenced talent there. I mean at half time you brought on and they made instant impacts both in the physical stakes where it looked in the first half where Wexford had an edge all of a sudden they didn't. Yeah, we expected that. We're trying to get the balance right. Look, Quiva's playing Ashburn Cup at the moment and we're trying to mind her as well. But uh, you know, three points down, we felt we needed her. And she, sure, yeah, she had a massive impact during the second half, as did Emma. Um, we have a host of players you haven't seen at all yet. Uh, you know, Jennifer Nicholas, Mary Hanrahan, Emer Begley, uh, Bonnie Wiley Murphy wasn't available here today. Tina Queeley wasn't available here today. Mary O'Connor from Cratlow. You know, Ellen Casey, uh, reaping the rewards of the success of the group here is in, up for a national award above in Dublin tonight so Ellen was missing there at centre-back so we have lots of talented players lots of young players and the next group is coming here now so seven or eight of these players will move on to senior in a couple of weeks time but we feel we have the talent there they just need to learn the system get up to speed with Inter-County and uh, it, it's exciting from that point of view the year ahead blooding these young players and as you say the talent there and the numbers it's there's massive numbers in Camogie coming through for you. And that, for you as an inter-county manager, obviously you see it at the club game too, John, but as an inter-county manager, you, you must take your hats off to all the clubs for producing these players. Absolutely. The, look at the club. The club scene in Clare is good. And um, the, in, the underage scene, is, you know, the, the board are trying their level best to, to do things right. This team is crucial. And the linking with the minor team is crucial. You've, you're starting to see it now. I said it would take a couple of years. But, you know, you, you have six or seven of last year's minors in here on this panel now and they're all good players and um, that system will work it, it'll take patience and when seven or eight players now go on to senior level it's a pity we've a turnaround of players at senior level but luckily we have players that have been in around the scene for two or three years that are going to step in and it'll be a learning curve but I'm really looking forward to the All-Ireland Championship senior and intermediate this year where we'd have young fit mobile hungry teams and uh we don't know what's ahead, but we're looking forward to the, the, the challenges anyway. And that's the benefit of when you come into the role, I know it's your second stint and whatever, but when you come in to train the two panels together, to train the big group together, you can really see it now, the step up isn't as much as it used to be. No, it's not. And and, and that's the point I'm making. And, and you'll see a number of these girls that, that excelled here today. Will, will, okay, it might be a learning curve against the Galvez and the Corks, but 
that's no harm. Uh, as we head into, uh, you know, just to talk a little bit about senior, as we head into the senior league this year, it's not about winning the senior league for us. This year we've set our stall. We want to get to another Ireland senior championship quarter final. The league is about getting experience. And what better place to get experience for these players that won a junior All Ireland last year than to be thrown straight in at Division One, intermediate level? You know, I'd love to have the stronger players here as well with us, but you know, there's, you know, there are all genuine reasons why they're not available. Thankfully, there's no burst up. They're all outstanding players, but we're in a situation now where these girls have to go straight in, and and there's an excitement in that, and they bring. You know, they bring the right characteristics for into County Hurling. They prepare well, they train well, they're full of enthusiasm and that's that's a lot to be able to work with. And you'll have plenty of selection problems, which is ah, which is exactly what you want, John, isn't that's it? That's it, you know, we've, we've, yeah, exactly. Both, both teams, we've, you could, what kills me going away out of here today is we had seven or eight girls we couldn't bring on the field. So, but that's going to pan out. By the time we play Galway, there'll be plenty of game time for everybody. So uh, we have a big panel, we're working on 49 players, so... Um, as I said to all of them there be patient it's 24th of January there'll be lots of opportunities and finally another positive day for Clare Camogie ah sure look at the start of the intermediate league um, you know I don't know how long it's going to last but this bunch of players haven't been beaten since July 2022 at national level so we'll take that into next That's week and we'll effort. try and keep, yeah we'll take it into next week we'll try and uh, you know a, re- a retake of the All-Ireland final against Tipperary we'll try and get one over on them again and we, as I said to them there we'll try and keep that going for as long as we can Sinead unbelievable once more trailing by three the character of this group we saw it last year once more again today just never give up yeah look we were trying to build on our success last year that's not enough for us we're not happy to to get that win and sit back and enjoy it we're looking to to get to that next stage too we can see that we're up against it in the intermediate we probably in that first half we're a little bit behind the pace and maybe the the bus journey and a lot of factors came into play first round of the league but look it's for our first day out it's a win and looking at the other results from the day very optimistic for what's coming ahead of us in the next few weeks so looking to build on that now It was a great second half though you went in trailing by three like 7-4 and you were struggling for scores but in fairness Ashton Cooney really stood up to the plate in the second half Yeah Ashton is amazing she's such a good free taker so she's it's great that she's getting her chance to, to slot into this team and she's putting her name on that jersey and, and not letting go so yeah she's put in the work she deserves that um, but look, that second half was where we want to get to. That's probably where we should have started and, and build on that for the next few weeks. But um, it's, that's what happened. So the first half is behind us and, and we're going to use that second half now to build for the rest and of the league. Great panel because, I mean, Cueva Cahill came on at halftime, Emma O'Donoghue, they all played their part. You know, Danielle Best, they all came on and contributed. Like, that's, that's a great sign, isn't it? Absolutely. Like, if you were there, you know, looking at the team last night or coming on the bus today, no, there was no heads down, no disappointment about not being playing. Everyone knows their role, that there's there's positions for up for grabs here. So if you come in, you, you put your name on that jersey and that's exactly what the girls did. Like, the competition for the next few weeks is going to be really intense, especially with competing against the senior girls as well. So it's going to be, it's going to be interesting now coming up. For you yourself, I mean, look, that epic speech in Crow Park, which will go down in history like today, I mean, to get back up to the pitch of it, did it, you know, was it tough, like, you know, to go back out and play probably your first competitive game since Crow Park? Yeah, I think we've all been kind of, like, we've been training a long time now and really kind of dying to get back on the field, especially after that success and, you know, still having the Cups with us, we, we kind of look at them and say that that wasn't enough for us, we want to build on that again. So you can probably see that in the second half, that we wanted to bring that intensity. Maybe the bus journey in the first half didn't show that, but um, hopefully we can we can get at that and, and that success isn't behind us and it's ahead of us still. Yeah, and look, three points on the board. First league game, first win, 
mean all things positive. Yeah, it's going to be a really competitive uh, league. Like you have Cork's second team there, Galway, two you know top class teams. So for three points on the board already, I think Eugene was joking that we're we're level with Cork at the moment on the board. So that's where we want to be. We want to be at that, those top positions of the of that league table come the next few weeks. So we're going to keep building and keep training and fighting for that. Two o'clock start for that game in Meelik on Saturday and we'll have updates across the afternoon. That's all for this week on this especially extended podcast version of Sideline View. It's a busy sporting bank holiday. Do enjoy it.